You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 1 to 5, the temptation to idolatry, through a false prophet, the test of message. So if a prophet, or one who foretells by dreams, appears among you and announces to you a sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder spoken of takes place, and the prophet says, Let us follow other gods, gods you have not known, and let us worship them, you must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. It is the Lord your God you must follow, and him you must revere. Keep his commands and obey him, serve him and hold fast to him. That prophet or dreamer must be put to death for inciting rebellion against the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. That prophet or dreamer tried to turn you from the way the Lord your God commanded you to follow. You must purge the evil from among you. So there is a lot here. First, it would seem that this prophet is legitimate since the sign or wonder they foretold took place. This validation may make someone trust the message from them. However, this is followed by something they should instantly recognize as wrong. They are encouraging idolatry, which they know God has forbidden. Moses even tells them the reason why God allowed this, to test them. Do they really love him? Or are they willing to do the opposite if they are fooled by a dramatic sign? God expects wholehearted love, reverence, obedience, and service. If they overcame this temptation, their devotion and obedience to God would be strengthened. The fulfillment of a miraculous sign was indeed the test of a true prophet, often validating his message or negating it. But it was never meant to stand alone. Even Pharaoh's magicians were able to duplicate some of the miracles done by Moses and Aaron. His prediction may have come true, but since his message contradicted the revealed word of God, they were to reject the message and the messenger. And this presupposes a grasp of God's revealed law. And this is the same for us today. We have to know the truth so we can recognize the errors introduced by cults. Further, they are not just to fail to listen to this wicked suggestion, but they are to put that prophet to death for inciting rebellion. And this is tied back to the Exodus. Their God brought them out of Egypt and redeemed them from slavery. The idols didn't. Because the false prophets tried to turn them from the way God commanded them, they are to purge the evil from among them. The contest between Elijah and the prophets of Baal is an example of this execution of false prophets being carried out. Verses 6 to 11, the temptation to idolatry, enticed through relatives or friends, test of the messenger. If your very own brother, or your son or daughter, or the wife you love, or your closest friend, secretly entices you, saying, Let us go and worship other gods gods that neither you nor your ancestors have known, gods of the peoples around you, whether near or far, from one end of the land to the other. Do not yield to them or listen to them. Show them no pity. Do not spare them or shield them. 
You must certainly put them to death. Your hand must be the first in putting them to death, and then the hands of all the people. Stone them to death, because they tried to turn you away from the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Then all Israel will hear and be afraid, and no one among you will do such an evil thing again. Proverbs 1.10 says, My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. In this case, this is not a stranger bringing the message to worship idols, but someone they love and trust, siblings, children, spouses, or best friends. These are people we are least likely to suspect of ill will or deceitful motives. They are people we love and desire to please, and are those we are most likely conformed to in behavior. Siblings or children are close by blood. Spouses and friends are close by choice. These are soulmates. And while the enticement from the false prophet was open and public, following a sign or wonder, now it is done secretly. And this covert suggestion is just between the two of them. No one else needs to know. But the enticement is the same, to renounce allegiance to God. Let's go and worship other gods. So these gods can be local or distant. It doesn't matter. But they are not to listen to them, either to please them, nor to maintain their relationship, nor even for mere curiosity. And even though the tempter is someone they love dearly, contrary to how they feel about the person, they are not to show them any pity, spare them from punishment, or shield them from the authorities. Instead, they are to be involved in the execution by stoning, and this public example would have a deterrent effect on those who witness it. Verses 12 to 18, the temptation to idolatry, whole towns led astray, the test of scope. So if you heard, if you hear it said about one of the towns the Lord your God is giving you to live in, that troublemakers have arisen among you and have led the people of their town astray, saying, let us go and worship other gods, gods you have not known, then you must inquire, probe, and investigate it thoroughly. And if it is true, and it has been proved that this detestable thing has been done among you, you must certainly put to the sword all who live in that town. You must destroy it completely, both its people and its livestock. You are to gather all the plunder of the town into the middle of the public square and completely burn the town and all its plunder as a whole burnt offering to the Lord your God. That town is to remain a ruin forever, never to be rebuilt, and none of the condemned things are to be found in your hands. Then the Lord will turn from his fierce anger, will show you mercy, and will have compassion on you. He will increase your numbers as he promised on oath to your ancestors, because you obey the Lord your God by keeping all his commands that I am giving you today and doing what is right in his eyes. In this case, the instigators arise from among them and entice whole cities to commit idolatry. They are called troublemakers, corrupt men, reckless scoundrels, or worthless men. But they were not to jump swiftly to judgment, since the scope of this offense was so great as to involve the whole city. They were to inquire, prove, and investigate thoroughly. 
and if this was indeed proven to be true, then they must act decisively. The people and animals were to be executed, and the town destroyed completely. All the plunder of the town was to be gathered into a central location and burned as an offering to the Lord. The town was not to be rebuilt, but remain a ruin forever. They were not to keep anything from that town that had been condemned. Then God would bless them for their obedience. Failure to do so would invite divine wrath. And this assumes it arises in a city in Israel once they are established. They are already instructed to destroy the idolatrous Canaanites whom they were to dispossess. But although they were instructed to preserve their religion by force, notice that in no instance do they ever convert with the sword, a practice more in keeping with Islam that threatens to convert or die. Other than the contest between Elijah and the prophets of Baal, which we mentioned, there are not any cases where such a command was said to be followed. Instead, they tolerated idolatry, never punished anyone for initiating it or promoting it, regardless of who suggested it. But they allowed it to flourish, and it led to their destruction and exile. We looked at the appeal of idolatry and the demonic power behind it. But what is the danger of it? Since it leads us away from the true worship of God and into all the detestable practices associated with it, it attracts his judgment, for he is not neutral in regards to our sin. They are called false prophets because they profess to speak a truthful message to God from God, but they are seductive. For if they were to show the true horror of what they were proposing at the start, most would recoil in horror. But it happens by degrees, like the story of the frog in the pot of water on a stove. If it was hot to start, it would just jump out. But because it is heated slowly, it is unaware of its mortal danger before it's too late. What can be done? Recognize that God tests his people, and this is under his sovereign control. And this calls for true allegiance to him. Error is often introduced slowly, mixed in with truth, as yeast is introduced into flour and leavens the whole lump of dough slowly. We must know the truth of what pleases and displeases God, so that we will not lack discernment and can recognize error. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or application to the Gospel do we find in this chapter? They were warned to beware of enticements to idolatry, whether through false prophets or close relatives. False teachers can deceive in many ways. They are usually from the congregation rather than outsiders. They come with an improvement to the message or special knowledge that others have missed. Jesus said to beware of false prophets who come to them in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Paul said that they were to recognize false teachers who were under the curse of God. And by exercising discipline in the fledgling nation, they would purge it of evil and be a deterrent to others contemplating something similar. And Paul had something similar in mind when he instructed the Corinthian church. There is a process for discipline within the church. Love for relatives must not supersede obedience to God. 
And although in the New Covenant there is no capital punishment for idolatry, Jesus said something similar in regards to loyalty to God over family. There are dysfunctional family relationships throughout Scripture, sibling rivalry, betrayal by sons, and favoritism by parents. Nadab and Abihu were killed for disobedience, but Aaron was forbidden to mourn for them, likewise Ezekiel when his wife died. But in the New Testament, Judas, one of Jesus' inner circle, betrays him for money. Jesus said our own family members would turn against us because the gospel message would cause a division. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Deuteronomy chapter 14. May God bless the study of his word.